and welcome to the Leaping the Line Women's Football Podcast. I'm your host Chris Marshall and joining me as always is a man who was absolutely loving his scran on Sunday, Mr Campbell Finlayson. How are you doing Campbell? Yeah, I'm just glad to be home. Um, cold at Fur Hill tonight for the under-19, under sorry, men's side. But yeah, looking forward to the podcast and as you say, stuffed after my fantastic scran, I must admit, at Stirling on Sunday. Yeah, and that's, that's where the podcast is going to start. Maybe not necessarily with Campbell's scran. We will cover that though because it's... He's very adamant that we do. But um, we will start in Sutherland on Sunday with the Scottish Cup semi-finals. Um, two games on Sunday. First up, Rangers against Glasgow City and then Hibernian against Motherwell. Campbell, let's start with Rangers-Glasgow City. Um, Rangers were missing a few bodies. We discovered after the game at least Martinez picked up an injury in training on Thursday night and she was walking about with a leg brace on. Um, Rosie McQuillan was away with the under-17s, which we'll talk about in a wee bit as well. Um, and Rogan Hay was out as well. So a few a few missing faces for Rangers. And I think when we looked at that team at the start of the game, we thought, well, that was going to make it too much for Rangers. But they started really well, Campbell. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you look at the likes of City and think they, they should be comfortable enough. Obviously, they gave Rangers a good beating in the SWPL Cup semi-final uh, back whenever it was at Clyde. But, um, yeah, no, Rangers started very well. And as, as obviously when you're trying to cover the game, as we're saying, you're wanting... I feel especially at that sort of the stage of the cup, you're wanting them um, a tighter game. So it was good to see Rangers playing well. And then I've obviously got that goal that uh, for Carla Boyce, the header that did cross the line, despite some people maybe thinking it didn't. But yeah, it was good to see Rangers start so well. Unlucky, obviously, lose the goal right on half time and City kind of showed their class in the second half. But it was plenty positive for Gregory Vigna to take for his Rangers side there. Yeah, let's, let's rewind a bit, Campbell. Let's talk about the first half because. I want to hear the word you're going to use for it because there's a little bit. Of, there's been a little bit of debate this week, and I find myself saying it earlier on. I was on Rocksport Radio, listen to that podcast. It's just been downloaded now, um, and I was trying to think the best diplomatic word to describe Rangers' approach in terms of the physicality in the first half because uh, Chantel Brown, who I am a big fan of as a player, I think there's ability there. She sometimes seems to run out of steam a little bit quick. Um, she was going in with some well. Um, Meaty is that a word that's been doing the rounds, but I know that that's that's getting frowned on a little bit. But Rangers were very physical at the start of that game, Campbell, and um, uh, obviously Leanne Crichton had to go off injured because of a, a big challenge. I think after the game, Scott who said uh, she had um, some stud marks down her legs, which isn't great to hear. But do you think that um, caused Glasgow City a problem they maybe weren't expecting, considering how, let's be honest, Glasgow City have controlled these games so far this season? Yeah, I mean, obviously Rangers were sort of wanting to stand a bit of authority on the game early on, eh, a bit stronger things. I think City maybe found it a bit aggressive with some of the early tackles, as say Chantel Brown, possibly lucky to stay on the pitch. But um, it's just you're not wanting to obviously be too over-physical, and I think at times Rangers may have overstepped that mark. But it wasn't if it wasn't as if they were intentionally going out to be dirty. I don't think it just kind of it may have come across that way to City. But no, I don't, I, obviously it's, it's tough when you're playing against a team like that who you know are going to most of the games are dominating teams so pardon me for Rangers to, to go out there and not let City get their foot the ball not let them have so much time in the ball was possibly not the worst idea but as we say some of the tackles were a bit meaty if you want to go with that word um, but yeah it was it was it worked for a, for a I suppose a wee period of time once City as we say started controlling it it then it turned a wee bit towards the end of the game yeah, the, the, the reason why with the hesitation of the word meaty is if you follow any of the Glasgow City players, the word meaty was doing the rounds quite a bit on Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, it was quite funny to, to kind of see that unravel. But I think, Campbell, the other thing, we'll get to Glasgow City in a minute because obviously they, they won the game. But I think the other thing that I'm, I'm probably keen to say about this game is that 
abrasive tackling aside, there's, there's a, a fancy way of saying it. Um, Rangers were actually playing some pretty nice football. Um, they had uh, Dana Burma down one side, Emma Brillon down the other, kind of playing three, sometimes four at the back. Um, I, I don't want that to get lost because yes, they were competitive in a physicality way, but actually, Campbell, that first half, they were competitive in terms of the way they were playing their football. And as you say, it was a real disappointment for them to lose that goal, especially when you consider the save by Jade Bailey just beforehand um, that, that led to the corner that conceded the goal. Yeah, Rangers, they didn't want to really sit back against it. And as you say, Dana Burma, if you want to go with that pronunciation, it was causing City some problems because, I mean, obviously they were getting players forward on that right-hand side themselves and it was leaving a bit of space in there. But Rangers played fairly well, I suppose, in that first half when Jade Bailey had to be tested. She was on a couple of occasions. She made some great saves. As you say, it was a bit disappointing for her to make the save, only to then lose a scrappy goal from the corner. But, yeah, Rangers can, you can take plenty of positives from it because they haven't rolled over to City in the last few games, as a lot of teams do. Um, so, yeah, they'll be, as we say, they'll be pleased in certain aspects of it. Disappointed, maybe they couldn't keep that going for longer, but, but it is going to be tough when you're playing against Glasgow City. As I say, Gregory Vigna will look at that and he will take some plenty of positives from it. And if Rangers can play like that against some of the other sides, more at their level, then there's no reason why they can't push up higher up the table and try and finish in that fourth position. Yeah, I mean, they're playing Motherwell this Wednesday night, so Wednesday the gets the calendar out. Wednesday the 16th of October, so if you listen to this Wednesday morning, which is, well, Wednesday afternoon when this goes out, then you've got an opportunity to go to that game. They're playing Motherwell, I think it'll be a really good game, um, so by all means head down to the Hamlet if you're about. But let's talk about Glasgow City, because they, they as you say, got that equaliser just before half-time. They then got somehow an even scrappier second goal. Um What's the debate about who scored it? I think we're we're all comfortable with probably a Jade Bailey own goal, though Sam Kerr got a lot of the credit and she did try and claim the credit after the game as well. Uh, and then a double from Rich McLaughlin, those two goals coming from on the back of uh, some really sweeping counter-attack moves. But for me, what really stood out, Campbell, in that second half was the the squad depth that Glasgow City have at the spool, the, the fact they were able to make changes that did influence the game a little bit, and also the fact that they eventually just kind of wore Rangers down and while Rangers are developing and moving towards this more professionalised model, Glasgow City are already there and you could see that maybe in the fitness as the game kind of wore on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the two goals to level the game and then put City ahead were obviously, as you're saying, fairly scrappy and that's disappointing from their point of view. But the two goals that um, Rachel McLaughlin then got going on, there's some great team moves from Glasgow City and as you say, it is that fitness. You see a lot of their players are obviously they're playing at a higher level than Rangers. A lot of them are internationals as well. So um, it's good to see, obviously, that they can keep going. It's tough, as we say, to match up against them when you're the likes of Rangers and teams like that. But, um, yeah, City, obviously, as we say, the second half is a lot better. I know Scott Booth wasn't really exactly happy with their best perform- uh, with the performance sorry, in the first half of an hour, as well as, obviously, the physicality of Rangers. But I think once City began to sort of get that grip in the game, they ended up really being fairly comfortable in the second half but it could have been a lot different if Rangers had held on but from a City point of view they'll be delighted with it obviously ahead of the trip to Bromby Do you think that 4-1 scoreline was a little harsh? In terms of the first half an hour you would probably say yes but I think watching with some of the chances City did have some of the saves that uh, Jade Bailey made the disallowed goal as well perhaps not I don't think 4-1 is as bad as it could have been but it could have been maybe lower, yes, as well, but I wouldn't say it's harsh, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that you 
you kind of forget about in the context of the game is actually the number of saves Jade Bailey made, and she made a lot of great saves. She's a really good shot stopper, Jade Bailey, in my opinion. Um, I think some of the things that kind of bore it for the first couple of goals um, are things that maybe she'll work on or are something that maybe they need to address. But in terms of a short stopper, I think she's she's really, really good. Uh, but yeah, so Rangers out. The Scottish Cup will have to wait for another year. Glasgow City through to the final. Um, haven't won the tournament since 2015. And they'll be facing, well, they'll be facing a Bernie and Campbell who have won all the Cups in the last four seasons. Um, they were playing Motherwell, uh, 4-1. Uh, similar scoreline, Campbell, but a, a different game, I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the other one where the side you were expecting to win, having to come from behind, in this case, Hibs started was on fire pretty much, collect Kavanaugh's hit the post, hit the bar, sorry, and within the first two minutes. And then they got those three goals with Kavanaugh again scoring. Obviously, Siobhan Hunter continuing this remarkable uh, scoring record as well. But, um, yeah, it was, it was comfortable for him in the first half. Motherwell, it was all speaking to um, Donald Jane and Abby Callahan at full time. They, they kind of knew themselves. They'd almost given Hibs that wee bit too much respect. But Motherwell themselves, once they actually got back into the game, scored a very good goal as well through Callahan And then they played some good stuff as well. Contained Hibs a lot better in the second half. But, as we were saying at the game, once Hibs start in that way they can do, they can be really, really hard to stop and prove that way on Sunday. Yeah, um, opening goal through Amy Muir. I'll maybe get this wrong because I'm now trying to do this off pat. And then Clyde Cameron scored the second. Anna Vicente maybe a little bit disappointed because it seemed to go through a little bit in the near post. And then, of course, Siobhan Hunter got our customary goal. And then uh, Rachel Boyle scored. Is it Rachel? Yeah, Rachel Boyle scored as well um, for 4-1. And as you mentioned, Abby Callahan scored for Motherwell. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's a Scottish Cup and it's a bit of a cliche question to ask now whenever you speak to anybody at Hibs, whether it be Grant Scott, one of the players, or Stuart McGuire, the assistant, um, and about Hibs' affinity with the Cup. But they'll downplay it, but it feels to me, Campbell, and I'd like to get your take on it, there definitely is something in it in terms of when Hibs get to a Cup competition, especially when you consider they're now going to be placing Glasgow City in the final and they've been the only team to get the better of Glasgow City this season again, um, as it was the case last season. Yeah, I mean, speaking to almost both City and Tibbs at full time, there is, there is, both seem to notice this real strange thing that happens with City. You seem to have the better Hibs in the league, but when it comes to the Cup, Hibs just always seem to come out on top. So, I mean, it's, it is strange with the final this year, obviously being in Edinburgh, it's, it's where Hibs are based as well. Whether that gives me any more advantage, we don't know, but there's always just that feeling you have. We all know City are the best team in the country, they are the stronger of the two. But when it comes to the Cups, as you say, Hibs just seem to have something about them. And it, I mean, it should hopefully be an entertaining final, but it's it's, just, it's a real strange one, definitely. And it wouldn't be surprising to see Hibs come out on top, but neither would it be surprised to see City come out, obviously. So it'll be a really intriguing final next month. Yeah, and I think if we're, if we're being honest, I think if everybody's being honest in terms of their game to promote, I think, and the, the, the opportunity for a spectacle in a competitive game, competitive football. Um, I think Glasgow City Hibernian is probably where the direction, I think, you saw it going. Um, by by no, no disrespect, obviously, if Rangers Mother made the final, it would have made a great story. And I think both of them would have, on that on that one day, definitely shown that they could match up and, and compete. But I think Glasgow Hibernian really is a kind of a fitting showpiece to what's been a pretty pretty strange season in terms of the, the league maybe not being as competitive as we thought it would be but Hibernian still being strong in the cup and then a couple of teams emerging as well but you mentioned the final I'm going to be taking place on the 24th of November 10 past 4 kickoff at Tyncastle Stadium you can tell somebody here was doing the social media so has been 
drilling, drilling dates into their head over the last couple of weeks. Um, I am a big fan of Ten Castles, the choice of venue, Campbell. I think we've talked about it about it before. There's a little bit of kind of I don't I don't know what the word is in terms of the fact Hibs are playing at Tyne Castle. I I don't think that's going to be a big deal. But you have you got good expectations for a big crowd come the 24th of November? I'd like to think so. I mean, obviously Hibs and City have had good supports when they play each other, um, no matter where it is. So the fact that it's at Tyne Castle, it's a big venue. It's obviously one of the better grounds in Scotland to go and visit. And obviously, being on a lot of Hibs fans' doorsteps, they may well come and watch them. So hopefully, as we've seen, as a lot of the players we've seen as well, there will be a good crowd to come and cheer them on and hopefully we get a good day for it on Sunday. Obviously, uh, the League Cup final through in Airdrie wasn't great on the Friday night. I kind of, the weather put a lot of folk off there, but we've got Sunday afternoon, so there's a lot of people to get to. And it may well be a good crowd. And hopefully there is, and hopefully there's a good spectacle for them as well to watch. Yeah, and um, let's touch about touch on the crowd that was there on Sunday. It was just shy of 600 for both semi-finals. Um, 350 and 237-ish uh, spread across the two games. Um, there was a little bit of chatter in the kind of press area about, well, is this a good attendance? But it was up in last year. Um, we know that Sterling has some limitations, but also has some benefits in terms of that. What's what's your take on, on, the, on the attendance of the weekend? I thought it was, it was kind of what I expected. That it was up, but it wasn't massively up in... Hopefully, there's maybe a way that we can look at seeing if the venue can move about or make it something a bit more... Cent- I mean, you can't get it more central than Stirling. That sounds very West Coast-centric that I'm, I'm saying this now, but I don't know. It feels like maybe there's there's something to do with the venue, but I don't, I don't quite know what it is yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really helped, obviously, had Scotland playing at Hamden at the same time. A lot of folk kind of put off with that. It wasn't supposed to be the greatest afternoon weather-wise either, but just saying the crowds are up. Um, Stirling, uh, for a lot of folk, is fine if you've got a car, but again, maybe the transport link perhaps not the best, but it's also been discussed as well with the semi-final final that we played on the same surface, obviously, trying to find a grass pitch where the team, where the actual club is happy to accommodate it, and then you've got the two games as well, but as well as having all the links and slings for spectators, it, it isn't easy, but um, the pitch at Fourth Bank, as we, we've all seen on Sunday, is obviously it's pristine condition there as well. So it's it does have its benefit, it does have its positives. But I mean, I don't really see what much more they can do to really attract more people to the game. And it's it's, it's a tough one, as we obviously discussed with a lot of people on Sunday. But it's it's good that the crowds are up, and hopefully we we'll get a bigger one as well for uh, the final. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think Fourth Bank's also the right size. I think there's a bit of a and this is me personally speaking, um, I think there's a bit of a push to get things in bigger stadiums when they're maybe not quite ready for it. And I think for the semi-finals, the finals are a bit different, but I think for the semi-final, I think Fourth Bank's a good size. Yeah, could it be a little bit easier to get to for some folk? Probably. But I think, as you mentioned, in terms of the conditions for the players and making sure they have the best opportunity to enjoy the day and the quality of the pitch, which is was excellent. Uh, it was the very first thing I think we noticed when we went pitch side to do the first round of uh, post-match interviews. Um, I think I think it's okay, but yeah, everybody will always looking for a way to improve things, and I suppose that what drives things forward makes it better. Um, before we leave Sunday, Gamble, I'm going to give you your moment. You want to talk about the scan? Um, <laughs> take the floor. I, I don't even know where to go with this. I'm just going to see where you're going to go, so just take the floor. Tell me about the scan. Um... I obviously with your media you're expecting good food and there has been supposedly that's where we've been but um, it was your sort of your mini pies that you were expecting a scotch pie sort of bite into some brilliant steak I suppose it was really very tasty as well was always handy and the sandwiches that I've been describing to everyone that I've been telling about them uh, are sort of gourmet 
again, just looking at, I think you've been on a piece, but when you bite any watch chicken breast and coleslaw, that was very nice as well. And then obviously, we then went both games, and then afterwards, well, there was obviously the past and the Gallic Brent things on show, having spoke to Grant Scott late on. So yeah, it was I was very pleased with that. Not so much when I got home and then found another big meal on the table, but um, I was stuffed certainly. But it was it was great for us. It was it was very cold and Sunday afternoon, so you got that food and tea and things. I heat up. Yeah, very pleased and hopefully we get more of that again at Tynecastle next month. I can't believe how excited you are about it. Uh, I mean. I would say it is pretty good, and I don't really go to games expecting to get fed, to be perfectly honest with you. As long as I'm there, I can get a drink, I'm pretty happy, but I was pretty good. I would have to give a shout to the mini sausage rolls that were there for the first game, but not for the second. They were, they were top-notch, but yeah, um, I'm glad you were... I have ever said cheese, uh, chicken and coleslaw so much in one day either, so that's another good shout-out there, but um, yeah, no, I enjoyed them. Yeah, and obviously we obviously asked uh, Amy Muir about our favourite flavour of Yazoo as well, um, which got a debate going uh, the other night. But we'll leave that. That was on Twitter. That's a, that's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, so Glasgow City against Hibernian. Just to repeat, Sunday the 24th of November, a 10 past four kickoff at Tynecastle Bracket Stadium. I'm still not sure if that should be stadium or just Tynecastle. Um, tickets will be getting sold through the Heart Midlothian website. I think there's some details going out through Scottish Women's Football over the coming days, so keep your eye out for that. So try and get along. I think it's £7 for adults, £3 concessions, and free for under-12s. Uh, Campbell, we have some midweek SWPL action. Um, we are recording on Tuesday night, uh, and we have just had a live update from Rugby Park, where Kilmarnock have defeated Partick Thistle 2-0. Um Disappointing result for Partick Thistle in terms of trying to catch up with Hearts and Hamilton at the top of the table, but as I've said before, uh, FC Kilmarnock are very keen on the fact that they, they are still in this race, so it's a good result for them in that respect. Yeah, I mean, they'll have to look at it. You have to believe, obviously, we've seen before Hearts and Hamilton are the two teams that look the most likely to be challenging up there, but it's a great win for Kilmarnock. Obviously, as you say, uh, Claire Doherty put them ahead, obviously. There was Lauren McGregor in the Kilmarnock goal actually made a save to deny Patrick Bissell from the penalty spot and then Amy Burrows was straight up the other end and put Kilmarnock 2-0 up. So it was it could well have been a point obviously by the end of it. So it's, it'll be a tough one to take for Thistle, but for Kelly it's a great three points and continues some of the decent form they've had. Been a bit up and down obviously throughout the season, but they also look at it and think they're in with a shout of finishing, if not as the league winners, that even in the second. So we'll see how they go over the last few games of the season. Yeah, now, usually that would, a game midweek, I would try and get down to it, but um, I, there was stuff I got asked to do earlier on, um, and also we're trying to do the podcast on Tuesday nights, so we've got something out for you. Uh, but there is a game that we are going to go to, well, I know I am, Campbell, I, I can't remember if you said you were or not, but Rangers are playing Motherwell at the Hummel Training Centre, I've mentioned it earlier on, um, so I'll be popping down to that just to see that game. Um, eight o'clock kickoff, I believe, on Wednesday night, so if you're about, go, go have a look at that one. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so let's move on to this weekend's fixtures of Campbell. Uh, oh, and let's start on SWPL1. Seems like a good place to start. Uh, there are four games, obviously, this weekend. Uh, first up, we have Stirling University against Spartans. Uh, I should always add now, whenever I say these on the podcast, subject to change. Um, we, I think we've learned a lesson with that one <laughs> in terms of that uh, going forward. Uh, but Stirling University against Spartans, 12 o'clock kickoff at Oakville View. Uh, we then have Celtic Motherwell's 12 o'clock at K Park as well. Uh, four for Farmington against Glasgow City's one o'clock at Station Park, and you've got Hibs against Rangers at four o'clock at Ainsley Park. Have you got a, a standard fixture from those four, first of all, Campbell? I mean, in terms of uh, what teams are still in the fight for, Stirling Uni 
we'll see the game against Spartans is possibly a chance for them to pick up some points in the relegation battle. Um, obviously, it's it's tough to look at a lot of these games and think who's going to do what. But if Rangers can perform the way they did in the first half an hour, 45 minutes against City, then there's no reason why they can't give Hibs a problem. Um, same sort of thing for Celtic Motherwell. Saying this was a few interesting games there over the weekend that do have things riding on them. So interesting to see whether Sterling can sort of close that gap on for Farmington, who you would expect obviously to have a tough afternoon at Station Park against Glasgow City. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll touch on the, the Champions League a little bit. I don't want to go too deep into it, but we'll touch on the Champions League a little bit at the end. But obviously Glasgow City are going to be in Copenhagen this week. They've been in the Scottish Cup action. They'll have Copenhagen uh, probably to look forward to in the second leg, depending on what the result is. Obviously, that could change the dynamic of that game. But even at that, them going up to the forefront to play for Farmington, you'd expect Glasgow City to win. And there are only two victories. We talked about it the other week. There are only two victories, irrespective of what anybody else does from winning the title. And... You mentioned Hibs Rangers, and that was a game I thought about going to for a little bit because if Hibs don't win that, it kind of puts it in Glasgow City's lap. But yeah, I think probably Stirling University Spartans a pick. Um, I don't know if you saw Campbell during the week this week that uh, Stirling University are going to be putting a, a bus on for students to get to and from the game. Uh, this game live in BBC Alba next Friday night at 7.35 kickoff. Um, I think uh, that's a really good initiative. And I think, I don't know what your take is on it, because we were talking about university football actually the other week uh, in terms of the university sides. And Sterling University, I think I've got a really good opportunity to maybe capture some of that that student audience if they can put on a good show come that Friday night game next week. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, obviously there's a lot of keen players, um, both male and female, at universities. And obviously Sterling have a few teams playing and different university leagues, and obviously a lot of those players then play in the first team as well. So as you say, hopefully more people will get um, get attracted to it, and hopefully get a good crowd in as well. Local people come along and watch that. So it's it's good to see teams trying to do things to boost the crowd, especially that game being a Friday night one. So as I say, hopefully yeah, you'll get a lot of students going to get that kind of attract their imagination, and then perhaps it's going to you know, boost their link and continue for them, help them continue sort of performing at this level for as long as they can. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think um, I think probably if you if you're about there, Oakview is probably the place to be in SWPL one. But if you're interested in the title chase, obviously Glasgow City. If you think there might be a wee upset, then maybe head to Ainsley Park or K Park. But yeah, SWPL one. Things are settled in a little bit. I think I think we're all waiting for this this game between Stirling University and Forfar Farmington to see what happens next. In SWPL two though, things are never as cut as dry. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, now there is no game between Partick Thistle and Dundee United this weekend and uh, that's because of Scotland under 17 call-ups which we'll, we'll touch on later on but there are three other games um, FC Kilmarnock are at home to Glasgow Girls in the back of that 2-0 victory tonight um, Hamilton are at home to Hutchison Vale they'll be expecting, expecting a win there and Hearts are playing St Johnson which is where I'll be heading this weekend um, Hearts obviously will will be working on the assumption that Hampton will, will beat Hutchison Vale. And St Johnston have been coming into this game in a good run of fun a good run of form, Campbell, winning three wins in the bounce. And they've caused Hearts some problems in the games this season, as as everybody causes each other problems in SWPL too. But we've talked about the need to be consistent and whether this, there's opportunities for teams to slip up and this could be one that Hearts need to view with caution. Yeah, I was actually the side out in front now um, after Aki's dropped those points a few weeks ago. But um, yeah, they're just saying they just need to remain focused on the task in hand. They went to Dundee United, obviously, not long, uh, a few weeks back, not long ago, sorry, a few weeks ago there. Not long ago. Um, and struck a team they've struggled against this season, so they went up there and beat them by two goals to nil, which was obviously a great result for them. So they'll be hoping to 
continue that and avoid any mental barrier that may be against St Johnston and hopefully for them pick up another three points and keep their hopes of um, staying ahead of Hamilton and keeping the title alive. Yeah, and I, I think it's really because the thing we've always talked about St Johnston as well is that they always put in a pretty decent show. It's not a case of that they get they get rolled over very often, but not very often as that happens in the league at all. But um, yeah, so I think that that'll be a good game to go to. Uh, there's a, a kind of dual reason for going to that game, Campbell, if we move on to the next section, which is the, the under-17s. Um, they have been playing in uh, championship qualifiers just now for the European Championships. They have had a pretty strong start, Campbell. The games are getting played in Scotland. Uh, the first game was against Northern Ireland at Orion, and a 4-1 victory, and it was a pretty good day all round. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say for Paul McDonald and our team. Yeah, it was a very fast start, obviously. Pete uh, McAllister scored in, and then Robin McCaffrey made it 2-0 pretty cl- uh, soon after, sorry. And then looking at the two goals, Rosie McQuillan scored. They mentioned her, obviously, missing Rangers game, but it was two very, very good goals she got there for, for Scotland. It's been 4-0 up at half-time. It was very good there. It was a cracker as well, if you've not seen the highlights. The Northern Ireland goal that they got back. But it's a very positive start for Scotland and one that they hope to use when they kick on, obviously, for their, their next two games uh, starting on Thursday. Yeah, so their next game on Thursday is against Montenegro. Um, I'd imagine there'd be an expectation that they'd get a result on that. And then they'll play Italy on Sunday at half at Ainsley Park. So my plan on Sunday, as it stands, is to head to Ainsley Park for that game and then head over to Orion. It's a nice, quick drive through Edinburgh, Touchwood, um, to get to the Hearts St. Johnston game. But uh, what's your take on youth-level football? Because I, I was planning on going to that under-19 game today and obviously you, you were at it for the men's side. Do you, What's your take in terms of how much weight we should put in results or is it for you, more about making sure that the players are developing it at a pace that you'd want them to? I mean, of course, it's all about development, but when you're getting these better results, you're then obviously getting through to different levels of competition and being able to test yourself against them, higher quality opposition. So it's also sort of the under-19s uh, women's side hosting the European Championships in the summer. The 17s have been doing fairly well. The 19s, again, are obviously doing well out like in Poland when they were there. And then again, for the men's side, as we're saying, the under-21s and obviously under-19s both doing well as well. So it is good to see that as much as you're wanting just the teams to help like, kind of progress the way they're playing football, the fact that they're getting the results shows that it's also working. I think it's, it's certainly a good thing and it's been a cracking start, as we say, there for the under-17s uh, through in Edinburgh last weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I get a, a slightly different feel from the, the women's youth internationals than I do from the men's ones and I feel free to challenge on that. But I always feel like they feel a little bit more... I don't know, they just feel a little bit more relevant. Obviously, the men's ones are good, and obviously Scotland got a great result tonight, uh, beating Germany 1-0. But uh, for me, I don't know if it, maybe it's because the players that play in the under-19s particularly are playing regular week-in, week-out football at the, the top level of our of our domestic game. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Does it feel different going to a women's youth game as opposed to a men's one? I mean, you could say, I suppose, that, that you're right in that case. Obviously, we, you see the Scotland and the 21s on the men's side, a lot of the times, the, the best players that are doing so well when they start the qualification campaigns end up being promoted to the men's A-side and then the under-21 suffer a bit as a result. But obviously, we've seen some of the better players for the under-21s have not been called up the Scotland squad and Steve Clark has also given these reasons why they are. So perhaps it's, so it's kind of changing a wee bit. So it's a bit more like the women's side, as you say, where obviously these players are getting to play week in, week out. So I mean, I understand your point, but I don't really think there's there's too much of a difference and if there has been it's sort of changing back to when both are almost a bit more equal 
Yeah, no, it's just it's just the general musing, but um, it's a good opportunity to see some of the the, the up and comers that are playing in the SWPL. I know, obviously, our man Graham Hart at Dundee United has got a few players that that will be playing um, this weekend. So if you've got a chance, um, Scotland against Montenegro half past five on Thursday, and then the, the game on Sunday against Italy at half past twelve at Ainsley Park. And um, by all means, pop along and have a have a wee watch of that. It should be good. Um, but where are we at now, Campbell? I tell you what, let's let's go to the Champions League this week. So. We'll talk about it in general terms. I think it's probably the best thing to do. We've already spoke about the, the Bromby draw and how we think that's not the worst draw in the world. Um, obviously, there was a, bit, a couple of concerns about injuries to players over the weekend. Um, Leanne Crichton in particular, she was she is out there and she has been training this weekend, which is good to see from a Glasgow City perspective. What What's a good good outcome for, for Glasgow City uh, on Wednesday night? And we'll do this on the assumption that if you're listening to this before Wednesday night, then you can use this as something to guide you. And if you listen to this after Wednesday night, then you can use this to beat Campbell over his head with a stick with. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm just, they're going out in the away leg. We discussed it with Rachel McLaughlin and Scott Booth and a couple of others, obviously, um, on Sunday after full time. And they really sort of thought that there wasn't any advantage of playing at home second leg. We kind of disagreed, obviously, on, on the pod last week. But um, yeah, they sort of want to go out there have a good show of themselves, but obviously make sure they're still in the tie for coming back to Peters Hill um, in a fortnight. So anything away goals obviously would be crucial, as Scott Booth was saying is as well. But if, if coming back with I think win, obviously great, but even a draw looking down by one goal would perhaps be not the worst result for City. Coming back to uh, Peters Hill, as we saw against Chesterfield, the big crowd um, up obviously in the north of Glasgow can make a big difference to them. So hopefully they can still make sure they're in the tie. And then come back and I think get through the quarterfinals and be a fantastic achievement for themselves and for Scottish football. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a big thing if if they can make make it to the last day, and it is a massive task. Let's not underestimate that. Bromby have got to the semi-finals this tournament three times in the last well, in the last decade or so, and they are the Danish champions, and that's a, a very competitive league, especially for Tony Huring in there as well. But yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity, and then I think just I think coming back. Back to, to Glasgow with at least a, a sniff of a chance, I think, is all you can really hope for. And then you just take it as it comes. But that should be really good. That game, uh, the return leg is on Halloween. I don't know if Glasgow City are going to go for a fancy dress theme. They are, they, they're out, their outfit, their kit, outfit. <laughs> their, uh, their kit is also very pumpkin themed already. I'm going on a tangent. But the kit is already very pumpkin themed, so maybe they'll go down that route. They won't. Aye, anyway, good result in, in Copenhagen would be good uh, in terms of that for them and for Scottish football. But yeah, so uh, that game, I, I saw actually earlier on that Glasgow City are going to be producing radio coverage of it, which is quite good uh, via their Facebook channel. Hopefully, they'll be watching the telly, but I'm sure we'll find out about that later on. Campbell, I think that's probably it for this week. I can't think of anything else that we, we kind of really need to talk about at the moment. So I'll let you do your social media plug and see where people can get in contact with you. As long as you're not talking about pumpkins ever again. Um, yeah, obviously I'll be at the Hummel tomorrow night as well. So again, with Chris, if anyone's there, come and say hello. But uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Campbell6 underscore two, just for all your usual women's football and pro Dundee United ramblings when it comes to the men's side. I was going to say, you have to put up with a lot of Dundee United power if you do that. But yeah, uh, by the way, you have Campbell Fall, you can get me at MFP Tasty, mainly pies and women's football. Um, and you can also follow the podcast at Leading the Line. Please tell all your friends about it. The bigger we can spread the word, the more likely we are to speak to more people about it, get to speak to get you better content and take it from there. There'll also be a preview of the Bromby game that will be up on the website by the time you listen to this podcast. So go have a read at that as well. 
But until then, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you again next week.